Hello and welcome to Technicast, a podcasting community open to all arts and humanities researchers. I'm Polly and together with Joe and Julian, every episode we invite a different researcher to introduce their own project. Last episode we heard from Sylvia and how tactility and heartbeats operate in the context of love and grief. We're very excited today to touch back on some of these similar sensory themes and in this episode we welcome Sophie de Klerk who shares her research on haptics, technology and touch hunger with us. It is strange that the tactile sense, which is so infinitely less precious to men than sight, becomes at critical moments our main, if not only, handle to reality. Nabokov, Lolita, 1955. My favourite novel is Lolita by Russian author Vladimir Nabokov. At the very end of the novel, the main character and Lolita's stepfather and admirer, Humbert Humbert, goes to the mansion of his opponent in vying for Lolita's love and shoots him several times. Dazed and covered in the blood of the man who took Lolita away from him all those years before, Humbert Humbert muses that it is only by relying on his sense of touch that he can hold on to reality. My name is Sophie de Klerk and I'm a researcher of tactile design at Loughborough University in London. As Humbert Humbert discovers in a moment of anguish, touch makes things real. It is the sense that we use to convince ourselves of the actual physical existence of the things we see. Touch is often considered as the sense that cannot lie, fool or deceive, and therefore the one we can trust the most. The sensation of a touch, a caress, a kiss, a hug or a scratch feels very immediate and intuitive. It is what makes us human. The central role of touch in helping us to grasp reality sounds natural, perhaps even obvious now, but it wasn't always so. The historical and philosophical writings on touch are written with references to its neglected or forgotten status as a sense in the Western world. This line of thinking can be traced back to ancient Greece, to the philosopher Aristotle and his hierarchy of the five senses, in which the sense of touch was relegated all the way to the bottom rung. For many centuries to come, touch was treated by intellectuals as one of the lower senses, as cognitively inferior to the more rational senses of seeing and hearing. The sensory stereotype of vision's dominance still persists in some ways today. For example, when we say, seeing is believing. The original verse from 17th century English clergyman Thomas Fuller is actually, seeing is believing, but feeling is the truth. Whilst the original reflects the idea that touch gives us access to reality and solid knowledge, we tend to only know or remember the first part of the phrase, and the second half has sadly become lost or forgotten in our visual culture. Today, there are still many debates and opinions about the status of the sense of touch. There are those who believe that we live at the beginning of a haptic age because of the way we interact with digital and electronic devices. And there are others who feel we are forgetting how the sense of touch provides us with material knowledge about a world that is becoming more and more desensualized and numb. In the next 10 minutes or so, I will introduce some of these points from both sides of the debate. The sense of touch is important for our everyday experience and our enjoyment of food, music, popular culture, arts and design. 
The influence of tactile sensations when we choose and buy products was first recognized by the consumer-led design movement in the United States in the 1930s. Industrial designer Raymond Louis, who designed the iconic curved glass Coca-Cola bottle we all know so well, was one of the first to explicitly pay attention to the sensory appeal of touch. In his design manifesto and autobiography, he wrote, Let's take the Coca-Cola bottle, for instance. Even when wet and cold, its twin-sphered body offers a delightful valley for the friendly fold of one's hand, a feel that is cosy and luscious. You have probably heard or read somewhere that we now live in something called an experience economy. This means that businesses must orchestrate memorable events or experiences for their customers, and it's the memory of such an experience that becomes the actual product. As a result, marketers, advertisers and product designers now pour vast resources into getting the tactile appeal or the feel of products just right. Our our lives are filled with stuff that has been designed specifically to stimulate our skin. Children's toys, furniture, clothes, toothbrush handles and deodorant sticks are described as smooth, sensual or soft, qualities that are meant to appeal to the customer with discerning taste. The packaging of many of our favorite foodstuffs and drinks is textured, embossed, flocked, heat-labeled or engilded to add that little touch of pleasure. Designers of technology gadgets no longer focus on just the look of a mobile phone, smartwatch or tablet, but also its feel, its shape and weight in our hand. The touch industry is also burgeoning in other design fields, such as fashion, architecture and interior design. It is no longer just about color, but increasingly about touch and feel. Wherever we look, we will see wood, cork, tweed, wool, fur, silicon and surfaces are granular, 3D, sculpted, blistered or raised. In entertainment, the technologies of touch, or what is known in engineering simply as haptics, are starting to move into the mainstream. It is now commonplace that our digital interfaces and touchscreens are haptically controlled and programmed to give us feedback through a buzz or a vibration. And these haptic technologies are proliferating. They are a natural part of our everyday interactions with computers and controllers through mice and joysticks and even transforming our experience of virtual gaming and sex. Yes, there is now a whole industry devoted to designing virtual sexual encounters with devices that mimic real feelings of touch, called teledildonics. According to the author of The Substance of Style, Virginia Postrel, we live in a new age of aesthetics, an age in which design is everywhere and everywhere is now designed. There is a growing emphasis on the sensory appeal of commodities and human bodies, we are constantly searching for immersive multisensory experiences. However, some people are worried um, by this aestheticization of everyday life and question whether this rediscovery of the senses is nothing more than a capitalist ploy, numbing and deadening any possibility for unique and meaningful visual, oral, gustatory, olfactory and tactile experiences. There are similar concerns about touchscreen-enabled devices and haptic interfaces entering our daily lives. Are these not just reproductions and simulations of sensations that are not really there, mere illusions of what can be really felt? Are these not just enforcing, as Constance Klassen puts it, the tactile monotony of our push-button culture?
These types of technological mediations of touch are appealing for many of us. They hold a promise of immediacy, magic, everything possible with a tap, push or swipe off the fingertips, with nothing beyond our reach, not even love or sex. We can manipulate and grasp that which is far away, perhaps even that loved one living in a city on the other side of the globe. Perhaps this digital form of tactility will teach us to approach the world not as rich textures and shapes, but as dependent on the speed of our internet connection. With artificial intelligence, VR and AR on the rise, we as consumers are reacting in one of two ways. Either we embrace these technologies as a way to create time, boost our productivity and even manage our moods, or we reject them and instead search for community the down-to-earth, the analogue and each other. Apart from these concerns about the aestheticization of consumer goods and the technological mediation of real touch, it has also been argued for a while now that our society is deprived of social tactile interactions and is suffering from what American psychologist Stephanie Field has called touch hunger. At the same time, our postmodern culture is very visual and whilst visual images may also appeal to our sense of touch, there is often very little dare for us to actually put our hands on, to feel, to derive some tactile gratification from. Some, especially the tactile people amongst us, are left feeling alienated or out of touch, isolated bodies in an indifferent and sometimes hostile world. The sense of touch plays a crucial role in human growth, emotional development and well-being, Still, we learn from an early age to restrict our touching and keep our hands to ourselves. Western society is a low-touch society in general. We appreciate individual privacy and the practices of touching between people are heavily regulated and controlled. Touch is a direct invasion of personal bodily space, so social expectations, conventions and rules dictate who and what we can and cannot touch in many different everyday settings. More than ever, we carefully avoid being accused of inappropriate touching, for such accusations can have dire consequences for the toucher. Touch is an important sensory modality. It helps release oxytocin, the feel-good hormone. It enables us to feel a sense of trust and comfort. So if you look at it from that perspective, it is surprising, as Chinese-American geographer Yifu Tuan muses, Even in a society geared to good times, one of humankind's greatest and most easily accessible sources of pleasure has become taboo. We try to compensate for this lack, of course, and we have come up with a range of substitutes for bodily contact. There is the hot bubble bath, the steamy sauna, the luxury spa treatments, and something famous trend forecaster Faith Popcorn coined cocooning. Cocooning is the impulse to go inside when it just gets too tough and scary outside. It is about insulation and avoidance, peace and protection, coziness and control, a sort of hypernesting, something we have probably all engaged in during this last year. But as you might well know, it is not the same, and these substitutes are not fully satisfying. It is no wonder then that we are hungry to touch. To make matters worse, tactile encounters are also associated with ideas of impurity, contagion and contamination. Unsurprisingly, this has become more acute in the current global pandemic climate, 
Back in April 2020, Bumpers and Par, a multi-sensory experience design studio in South London, anticipated that the strict COVID-19 guidelines to not touch your face, to stay at a two-meter distance from those who do not share a house with, and to wear masks and even gloves when out and about, might cause long-term or permanent changes in the way we behave. Various studies have shown that it can take between 21 and 66 days to form a new habit. With the third national lockdown in its second month, it is more and more likely that we will develop a mild apprehension or even fear of touching, a new sensory taboo, one that might hang around for a while. Therefore, in a world post-COVID-19, we will need to actively rehabilitate our sense of touch. To this end, Bumpas and Par proposed a weird and wonderful, from virtual ASMR spa treatments to slime videos and underground dirt parties. LA-based artist and body architect Lucy McRae imagines a future where the deprivation of bodily contact and the constant influx of digital technologies damage our mental well-being, a crisis of touch. In response, she has created a mechanical machine, the compression carpet, which offers a full body hug to a person in need of intimacy by squeezing him or her between cushions. She also designed a survival kit for a post-apocalyptic future, which you can carry on your back like a Sherpa. The kit is full of tools to protect you from the destabilizing impact of AI, automation, digital devices and social media, such as fluffy cushions, comfort mats and a squishy mask to hide away in. These types of artworks bring a sense of urgency to our need for touch rehabilitation. The question remains, how? How can we satisfy this touch hunger? How can we avert a crisis of touch? It is very difficult to predict what the future will hold. Perhaps, driven by our push-button culture, our visual society will transform into a tactile one, or even a multi-sensory one. Or perhaps digital media and touchscreens will transform human experience and change our senses of time and space in various ways. Or perhaps we will reach some sort of limit and rebel against the ubiquity and clinical feel of digital interfaces in our lives and move back to analog or DIY ways of making and feeling. Anyway, there are signs that in the years to come, other non-visual senses will assume a greater importance in our daily lives. We will revive our interest in sensory contact with the material stuff around us. And who knows, we might all design our own survival kit to cocoon us from the hostility and indifference of the outside world. However, as we have seen, the sense of touch is facing particular challenges in the current climate and is at risk of becoming ever more entrenched in taboo. A world in which touch is poorly addressed is likely to diminish the feeling of being in contact with the world, which may lead to a disappearing feeling of self-awareness and an increasing disconnection. American curator and craft historian Glenn Adamson gives us a stark warning. It's when we don't engage with our material environment in a focused manner that we truly lose our way. As a culture, we are in danger of falling out of touch, not only with objects, but with the intelligence they embody, the empathy that is bound up in tangible things. For this rehabilitation of touch to become a possibility, there is a great deal of work to be done. My PhD research explores how we can reimagine and design everyday domestic objects like furniture, tableware or toys in a more tactile, experimental and ultimately more touching way.
So Sophie, thank you so much for that fascinating reflection on the importance um, and the neglect of touch haptic technologies and the impact that all has on our sense of touch. I thought the ideas of kind of falling out of touch and touch hunger especially were so interesting and uh, so pertinent to how we're feeling, especially in the UK as we're starting to kind of ease out of our third lockdown this week. So do you think people, uh, both on a personal and on a more theoretical scale, do you think people value touch and the tactile more now than perhaps they did? Um, I think so. Um, I think the sense of touch has definitely entered our radar um, and we have become more conscious of how much or how little we touch in our everyday lives. Um, whereas before we didn't need to fully consider whether it's okay to hug or shake hands with someone or to touch your own face, um, or to touch the fresh fruit in the shops. We are now engaging with these tactile experiences a lot more consciously. Um, whilst I think that's sort of cultivating a sort of mindfulness uh, for non-visual experiences is, is great. Um, because of COVID, I think our renewed consciousness of touch has unfortunately become a lot more associated with hygiene and risk of contamination. Um, but the notion of touch deprivation or touch hunger has been around for quite a while. Um, I think last year, the BBC and the Welcome Collection did sort of this touch test, which was an online survey that ran from January till March, sort of until a week after the first lockdown began in the UK. Um, I think it was completed by 40,000 people and more than half, 54% um, of people already felt that they didn't have enough touch in their lives. Um, so, and I assume that number will only be higher now. Um, I also think that calls for more touch in our society have been around for decades now. Um, I think in the early 80s, there was a forecaster, John Naisbitt, and he proposed the formula high tech versus high touch um, to describe the ways people were responding to all this new technology that was entering society. He predicted that we would always need sort of human, emotionally satisfying experiences to counterbalance the massive influx of advanced technology and automatization. Um, and that was also applied to design. Um, and I think ever since there has sort of been this trend for creating more tactile and more warm and cozy, non-mass manufactured goods. Um, and I think this call for tactility is still sort of resonating. Um, a, a famous forecaster a few years ago predicted that our super technology now is going to ask for super tactility. So I think this is definitely something that is here to stay. Um, and that's sort of reflected in sort of annual design fairs around the world. Um, and after being locked down, I think we will probably pay more attention to creating this cozy, intimate tactile atmosphere at home. And hopefully design will sort of be a part of that. Oh, I definitely, yeah, that's um, that's so interesting. I definitely think um, I first took um, so much of that for granted, the kind of um, that kind of casual sense of touch, and um, I can see that it's very much going to be associated, at least for a little bit, um, with that kind of sense of hygiene and fear, which I'm not quite sure what we'll do to kind of yeah, the mindset around touch and um, and kind of contact and intimacy there. But amazing to hear those studies and kind of hear kind of how long this has been um, in our kind of collective consciousness and how kind of much people have been thinking about that touch hunger. 
And I'd love to hear a little bit more about your research into those everyday objects and the kind of um, the future future of touch um, and kind of tactility um, and how you kind of um, imagine those objects and how you might kind of see that tactility um, being reshaped. How did you first get interested in this area then? And um, can you tell me a little bit about how that's led to your doctoral research that you're carrying out now? Uh, yes, it's been quite a long and painful journey for me to um, pinpoint tactility as a topic I really wanted to dedicate um, a PhD project to. Um, I've always really liked things that are pretty. Um, I have a background in fine art photography and I worked a few years in market research where many projects um, involved asking consumers how appealing they found a packaging concept, an advertising campaign, or a brand communication. So all of that was very much focused on the visual domain. Um, and then at a conference, I once came across a project, a project conducted by a research agency who presented a case study of a rebranding project they had done for a British brand of deli sweets. And the point was very much that all brands should have their own sense signature. Um, and that's not just about visual brand assets, but you should think about how your brand can leverage sense, sounds, tastes, textures to tell your story. And this made me really think about the multi-sensory appeal of things, especially packaging at the time. Um, but I was wondering whether things can be pretty in a way that is not predominantly visual. And then from then on, and since starting this project in October last year, I have done a lot of painful soul searching and um, to really try and grasp what draws me to the topic of tactility and touch. Um, and I think the sense of touch connects us with the physical material world and with what's real. And the world is quite a complicated place. And I think for me, interacting with physical material stuff um, helps me feel rooted rather than sort of unmoored. And I think touch is very important for this feeling of connection especially in a place that's becoming very digitized and dematerialized. Um, I think we have less material knowledge of things. We don't know how things are made. We don't have that meaningful connections with material things. There's also very little explicit knowledge about what tactility is or how we can define it. Um, and I think that's a real shame. And for that reason, I want to explore different ways we can think about tactility and how we can bring this sense to the forefront in design. Like how can we design objects to embody this connectedness with the material world and with our bodies and perhaps have a nicer, deeper aesthetic experience. So that's sort of where I'm coming from. That's amazing. I love that, um, that kind of journey in and yeah, how we might imagine um, kind of pretty and not just visual terms. That's fascinating. Um, and kind of could you tell me a little bit more about um what your um what you're kind of working on currently and about some of the objects in particular that you might um you might be thinking of reimagining um that's a very good question and i'm not sure about that yet um i did initially start out focusing on on consumer packaging but i quickly found out that was not the most interesting vehicle to explore tactility. Um, I've also considered focusing on a specific material like wood or foam, um, but I don't think that would help much either. Um, 
So I've I've seen a lot of interesting work being done in sort of philosophy and a lot of theoretical perspectives have been brought to bear on touch sort of things from phenomenology and semiotics, effects, studies, cognitive sciences. Um, so rather than choosing one type of uh, object, um, I thought it might be more enlightening to see what all these perspectives can tell us about our experience of tactility and how these can be used to inform design. Um, I've also got sort of a, a library of images of designs that I find particularly tactile. Um, I've got about 800 images in that library and I still can't really pinpoint what it is that makes them tactile. They're mostly everyday domestic objects such as furniture, tableware, fashion, lighting, um, tools, sex toys, children's toys. Um, so I find all of them beautiful. They have this poetic quality, but I don't know what they have in common. So I'm at the moment having conversations with the designers and makers of these objects. Um, these are all um, people who sort of work explicitly with the senses or with the sense of touch, either in a conceptual way or a material way. Um, so I'm just focused by interesting examples. Um, however, um, I'm not focusing in any way on the digital um, part of things. So. Um, a lot of research that exists, even though there's not much about tactility and product design, is also about um, sex and gastronomy, because um, sex and eating are sort of human activities where the sense of touch is, is really important. Um, so I've been looking at the design of sex toys and sort of cutlery and exactly how those kind of feel to our tactile sense. But um, I was also thinking that these are objects that we can hold in our hands. And the tactile sense is about more than just the feeling in our palms and fingertips. It's about movement and balance and about different body parts um, and about this full body interaction and feeling. So I've become particularly fascinated lately by chairs. So any stools, benches, sofas, anything you can sit or lie on and that somehow touches or engages our whole body. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at at the moment. That's amazing. I love that kind of, again, that kind of um, the way that um, your product is kind of um, taking shape. That's um, what an archive as well. All those kind of pictures of um, kind of, yeah, waiting to um, waiting to be analysed. That's um, that's incredible. And that the chair, I didn't think, I've not thought of the chair in that way, that it does combine all those different aspects of kind of haptics and, and touch the idea of balance and, um, and contact and groundedness that's um that's so exciting and I can't I can't wait to hear more as your research um progresses as well um I've just got one last question and it's probably the one question that every researcher is just coming to absolutely hate um but I just think I really wanted to ask it um just because I think uh kind of looping back to um, what you were just saying before about how COVID-19 has kind of shaped our idea of touch. Um, I'm just really interested to hear about whether the pandemic has impacted um, your thinking of um, compound touch operates and whether it's uh, shaped your research at all. Um, yes, that's another good question. Um, yeah, I submitted my proposal for this project about a year before any of us would ever hear about coronavirus. Um, but of course, now we've been in several lockdowns um, and I think the topic of the census and 
our lack of sensory experiences has definitely become more relevant and current. Um, I've also noticed that designers, artists, academics, other students are very keen to talk about the topic of, of the senses and, and touch. Um, I do wonder whether this sort of renewed interest is here to stay and whether sort of my findings will hold a certain long-term value and that they won't just be short-lived. Um, we are touching less, but there is also a heightened awareness of the lack of touch and our need for touch. So it's hard to know whether this, these effects will last and fundamentally change our attitudes or whether it will be quite forgotten in a year or so. And my PhD will sort of have a short lifespan um, and just become a snapshot in time. But um, yeah, I just definitely hope it's, it's the former. Um, and then obviously, like every other PhD research, there have been some minor challenges and limitations um, in terms of methods. Um, I had also imagined this sort of extended field work in design studios and seeing people make things and work with their bodies and with materials. Um, I also hope that it would sort of be several years in which I could shamelessly touch everything I see with the excuse that it's for academic purposes. Um, but so far, there has been very little actual touch in my project. Um, it's become more philosophical and theoretical. Um, but it's also helped me to think more openly about sort of multi-sensory dimensions of touch. For example, like how something can look tactile through the use of shapes and colors, sort of a tactile visuality, that sort of thing. Um, so I think understanding how other senses help shape tactility might be an interesting avenue um, and I'm still quite hopeful that things will return to a certain normality and that it will be possible to attend design fairs and visit designers in their studios in the months and years to come. Um, I think in the meantime I'm armed with lots of reading and sort of forgotten ways of thinking and philosophizing about the tactile sense and hopefully this will sort of help my study going forward. Well, I'm sure that listeners will agree with me um, that Sophie's very timely research is sure to benefit and interest many for years to come. Thank you very much uh, for listening to Technicast today. Thanks to Sophie for sharing her work with us and thanks also to Techni for their ongoing support. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share and rate us. If you would like to submit your own podcast episode, please do get in touch with us at technicaster at gmail.com. You can find out more about our upcoming themes on our website or in Techni's newsletter. We look forward to hearing from you. Join us again next time to discover another researcher's fascinating work.